Hello, everybody. The word for today is from Galatians chapter 1, from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. Galatians chapter 1, from verse 11. It is Paul's letter to the churches in the area of Galatia, where he went to plant these churches together with uh, Barnabas on their first missionary journey. And uh, we read about that in the Acts of the Apostles, chapters 13 and 14. So Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was, was preached by me is not according to men, for I neither received it from men, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterwards, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which once he tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Amen. May the Lord open our hearts and fill us with his spirit so we understand the word of God. Amen. Amen. So Galatia, uh, this area in modern-day Turkey, uh, formerly was uh, known as a Celtic kingdom, there were three tribes, uh, Celtic tribes who were uh, relatives to the Gauls, uh, lived. But by this time, to the first century, the southern part where these churches were, uh, the churches in Galatia were uh, there. So this part was a mixed uh, part, not only Galatians, but all over from the empire, people moved in there. So the cities uh, which uh, uh, Paul is writing to is uh, the Pisidian Antioch, Lystra, where he was stoned by the Jews, and the disciples thought that he was dead, uh, Derby, Iconium, and other cities. So most probably, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, most probably this is the first letter that Paul ever wrote to the churches. It's a different letter from all other letters because 
he is not uh, praising them for anything. He is just like harshly uh, against them because uh, they are turning away from the true gospel, the gospel of grace. In his uh, uh, letter, Paul is establishing the true gospel and uh, he is uh, denouncing all other kinds of gospels and other false messages that are uh, coming to the churches. So in this epistle, uh, Paul is doing three things. There are six chapters in this epistle and every two chapters is a different subject. So in the first two chapters, he defends his authority or his apostleship. Then in chapters three and four, he defends the gospel of grace or salvation by grace. And the last two chapters, uh, he's showing us that the Christian life is a walk according to grace, not according to the law. So there is a question, it's a question raised by all the religions in the world. Every religion, every group of people is asking this question, and this is the main question for all people around the world. How can a man be in the right with God? How can a man go to heaven? This is the main question and the main purpose of every religion. We know uh, a story from the Gospels when a, wrong, a young ruler comes to Jesus and uh, he asks this question from Jesus. What good thing shall I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? And we know the response of Jesus. Jesus uh, tells him, keep the commandments. Because he, he was coming to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what shall I do? And Jesus says, there is only one good. Because this young ruler thought that he is good as well. So if I am good, maybe Jesus is good as well. So good teacher, what, what must I do? Keep the commandments. And he said, which ones, Lord? And Jesus says, the Ten Commandments, or love the Lord, love your... Uh, but he says, all these I have done since I was young. What else I am missing? So I've done everything I could. I live a good life. I'm a good person. What else is missing? I'm still not having this peace in my heart that I'm right with God. What is missing in me? And Jesus uh, answers him, and says, so you want to be perfect. So if you want to be perfect, there is one thing you have to do. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. So give off everything. Renounce your life. Give your life to me. Follow me and you will have eternal life. And we know the story that this young man left very sorrowful because he had a, a very uh, big wealth and he didn't want to renounce that. But the main question was, how can I be right with God? And the, the disciples tell Jesus, if it's so hard for, for people 
to get right with God. How can we be saved then? And Jesus says, with man, it is impossible. But everything is possible with God. So salvation is not accomplished by us. It is done by God. There is another story in the Old Testament, and we know the book of Job and his story. But when he loses everything, we know about him, he's a righteous man. God is uh, proud of him when Satan comes and uh, says, have you seen my, my man there, down there? And he says, yeah, because you blessed him, he has everything. He's... But then when he loses everything, even his health, and his wife turns against him, and his friends come and uh, give him good advice, so-called good advice. There is one, one of them, Bildad, who says, oh, no, you think yourself that you are a good person, but if you want to be right with God, you should try even harder. That's the advice of all the religions around the world. If you want to be right with God, you have to try harder. You have to give everything. And this causes a double slavery in the lives of people because in one way people uh, try to live to gain the approval of other people. So I am a good people. I live, I want to impress people. I want to make sure, I want to uh, quiet my, my conscience, my heart, that I live a good life so people praise me. And the other side of it is they live to gain the approval of God. And both of these ways are has response to the question, how can a man be right with God? There's a verse in uh, the Old Testament Prophet Micah, chapter 6, he asked this question. What shall I come, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. What shall I bring to God that he should be satisfied with? And the response that we get in uh, the epistle to the Romans, chapter 10, this is what uh, Paul says when he is speaking about his fellow brothers, the, the Jews, the Israelites. Brethren, chapter, one, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. 
for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. And not long ago, when we were uh, going through the book of Revelation, there in chapter 5, we read about uh, the people of God when the Lamb opened the, the book, the seal, and we read this, then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. They say, you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Only the blood of Jesus is able to redeem us and to make us right before God, to cleanse us from our sins. And as we turn back to the book of Galatians, the question, how can sinners be right before the Holy God? Paul is explaining the gospel as the answer for this question. First of all, why is Paul writing this uh, epistle? Because there were people who were teaching a false, uh, false gospel. Their gospel was like, yes, Jesus, you need to believe in Jesus, but Jesus plus is the gospel. And the title for this message is Jesus is the gospel. These Judaizers were teaching that you need to believe in Jesus, but after you have been accepted by God, then you need also to abide by the law. You need to get circumcised. You need to keep the law. You need to become a Jew in order to have eternal life. Jesus, you need to believe, but you also need to obey the law. Without the law, you cannot be saved. And these uh, false teachers who appeared in the region of Galatia brought up three accusations against Paul. The first accusation was that he is trying to please people by removing the, the law from the message of the gospel. That is the first uh, three verses of chapter one. Then the second accusation is that he made up this gospel. This is not a revelation from God. 
This is a man-made human invention. And this is the one we are dealing with today. And then in chapter 2, the accusation is that he's preaching a gospel that is not in accord with the original apostles, the ones uh, that are in Jerusalem. So today, today's message is about how God loves to save lost people or bad people. We see God's grace, his life-transforming, powerful grace here in the story of Paul. Because only the gospel is able to transform people's lives. So today, we're going to see two things here in the verses that we have read. We see the source of Paul's message, the origin of Paul's message. And then we see the story of his uh, conversion, of his repentance. So first of all, the source of Paul's message. They were accusing Paul that he changed his message in order to gain uh, preeminence, in order to make a name for himself. But Paul had no reason to leave his life behind for the gospel. He received his message through revelation from God. He says it's not human invention. And he wasn't taught about the gospel. He received it personally from Jesus Christ. We read that, I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Not according to man. This is not a man-made gospel. This is not a man-invented gospel. It is the message of grace that the work already is done. You have to believe in Jesus, who did everything for you to be right with God. Christ lived a perfect life. We read about his life in the Gospels. And on the cross, he took our sin on himself. He became sin. And he took the wrath of God and absorbed the wrath of God so that we might be the righteousness of God. So if you trust Jesus, you are seen by God as holy, righteous, spotless. And on the cross, Jesus said the famous word, it is finished, it is done. So the sacrifice was offered and God accepted his sacrifice for the sins. It is finished. It is done. There's nothing we can add to the gospel. There's nothing we can bring to the table. There's nothing that we can contribute to our salvation. So, some people uh, feel the need to add to this gospel. It's not enough that Jesus died. It's not enough. 
After I became a Christian, I need also to do something to achieve my salvation. <clears throat> On the other hand, some other people, when they hear the gospel, that is by grace, salvation is by grace, then they try to say, okay, then it's his grace, God forgives me, I can live as I want to live. And then Paul says, you haven't understand, understood the gospel. Then, the gospel is not righteousness of God given to us plus something. It's only what Jesus did. That is the gospel. It's not earned. It's a free gift of God. And the Judaizers were saying that Paul invented this gospel so that he would please the Gentiles to be easier for them to accept it. And Paul says in chapter 6, verse 12, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, this would comply, compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. So actually the Judaizers are, are the ones who, are, who want to please people. Oh, you, 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 after you believe in Jesus, you remain in Judaism, you follow the law, so you won't be persecuted. Because we know how many persecutions Paul endured from the Jews because of the message he was preaching. <coughs> this was the first thing that we see in the verses that we read. And the second thing we see is the transformation of Paul's life. And we see his transformation in three aspects. We see his, his transformation before his conversion, before he met with the grace of God, when he was in need of the grace of God. We see his earlier life, and we read in verse uh, 13, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. You have heard of my former conduct. You have heard of my earlier life, my former life. But the gospel has the power to transform our life. Because we don't have to go home the same way we came here. We can meet with God and he can transform our lives. What was Paul's former life? He shares a few things here, but we know a lot more from the whole New Testament about his life. We know that he had a violent life. He lived, he was a, a violent man. 
He was killing and murdering and oppressing people, taking them to, dragging them to jail. He was a religious fanatic, a terrorist. He was, he was persecuting believers. He approved the execution of Stephen and he went to the extremes to destroy Christianity. And all this he did and he believed that he was doing a favor for God. He was doing God's will. You have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He was advancing in Judaism. He was a star in Judaism. He was the next big thing that was coming in Judaism. And we read about this in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 3. <coughs> he said, finally, brethren, chapter 3, verse 1, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. And he's referring to circum circumcision. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I am more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting a church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these have counted, I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the ex excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through the faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Hebrew of Hebrews, from the tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee of Pharisees. That means he knew the books of Moses, the five books of Moses by heart, by the age of 12. Some Christians uh, don't even pass through reading through the book of Leviticus. And he said, I knew them by heart because he was a Pharisee. When it comes to the law, faultless, blameless. I don't know if you ever met somebody like that. Impressive uh, life to, to live. But he says, this has no value regarding eternity. Yesterday I just uh, listened to 
one of the testimonies on YouTube, it just popped up and I said, I, I listened to this one. It wasn't that long. An, a fellow from the Amish community who, who left the community. And he was saying about all the legalism that is in that community and how he got freed by Jesus Christ. So this is how Paul, his motivation for his violence is his religious discipline. And he was so zealous for the traditions, like Jesus says about the Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees because of what you do. So he was so zealous for the law of Moses that he violated the law of Moses to defend and protect the law of Moses. This is the irony of legalism or the external-based religion. Self-righteous people, they are very quick to see the problem in other people, but they can't see it in their own lives. They're very judgmental, and hiding the judgmental uh, feelings under, under their spirituality. They're attaching uh, Jesus' name to their self-righteousness. Like Paul, I so loved the law that I broke the law. But we read this here, this small word, but. But this is who I used to be. This is not who I am anymore. I have a former life, and I have a, now I have a new life. And we read about his conversion. It says, but when it pleased God, verse 15, when it pleased God. Conversion or salvation is God's intervention in man's life. God interrupted Paul's life on the road of Damascus uh, by his grace. It pleased God, it says. What is God's pleasure? What pleased God? God's pleasure is to make Christ known to people. That is the pleasure of God. And on the road to Damascus, it pleased God. It was his delight to stop this man and to show him Jesus Christ. It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace who separated me from my mother's womb. This means that God had a plan with his life. This means that even before he was born, God had a plan with his life. And this is true for us as well. And all the people of God. God would allow people to turn back, turn their back to God to lift up their fists towards heaven and to say bad words about God. But the Apostle Paul says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb 
and called me through his grace. God is patiently waiting for the day when he would call people according to his grace or through his grace, by his grace. And we see his life after his conversion. After his conversion, his faithfulness to Christ. We read, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among Gentiles. I did not in immediately confer with flesh and blood. The verse for today was Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now, now live in flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <coughs> Christ lives in me. It is no longer I. So the moment we have a new life, that means we died with Christ, and now we are not living anymore. We have a new life, and this new life is the life of Christ that he lives in us. Because there are some people that uh, think that once you become a Christian, okay, to become a Christian, you become a Christian by grace, by faith alone. But once you are a Christian, then the job starts. Then it is the thing we have to do. No, we don't outgrow the gospel in our Christian life. We live the Christian life by grace alone. It is His work in us. He lives in us. We don't try to show our power. We don't try to live on our own. We live dependent on Him. We rest in Christ and His acceptance and His finished work. The Christian life is not a list of endless things that we have to do. And if we don't do it, if we miss a day, or we don't pray enough, don't read the Bible enough, or don't do whatever things enough, then we are missing out. We are not good enough. No, the Christian life is not a let do in order to be or in order to become something. No. The Christian life is because I am what I am in Christ. Because I already am. I let him leave this life out of me. It flows out of my rest in Christ. Of my delight in Christ's finished work of reconciliation. <coughs> and then he said, in verse 16, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul wasn't uh, concerned with his benefit only. He wasn't converted. He didn't become a Christian for his own life, for his own salvation alone. No, he says, 
that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And if you read his uh, con conversion in the book of Acts chapter 9, then we see that God said that I might show how much he has to suffer for my name and that he would be a witness for me in front of kings even. So he had a commission. And the same is true with us. We read in uh, Peter's first letter, chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you. That's why we are Christians. We are not Christians just uh, for our own sake. We are a Christian nation to proclaim him and his deeds. And we, we read what Paul did. He started immediately to preach, and then he has to flee to Arabia because he was persecuted. Then he came back. He never went to Jerusalem. He says he only went for two weeks to meet Peter, and he also saw James, the Lord's brother. But life with Christ won't be easy. He doesn't promise us that it will be easy. But it will be a life full of purpose. Because a life, uh, somebody said, we can live a life even with uh, infirmities or sickness, but we can't live a life without purpose. When you lose all your purpose, then your soul, your mind, your inner life becomes sick and your body becomes sick. So Jesus offers the gospel, Jesus offers us a formal life that we got. We are going to stumble in this new life, we are go going to fall, but we won't remain down, we are going to rise up, because we are trusting him who did everything for us. And also, this uh, gospel is not just a personal message. It is a community thing. Because we encourage each other, we love each other, and we walk with each other, we help each other. So our hope is in Jesus, not in our perfection, not in our performance, We used to be something, but we are not that anymore. We are a new creature. This is no more who we are, who we used to be. We are becoming something else. So our righteousness is in Christ, because he earned it, and it was given to us. And finally, let's celebrate the fact that we have been saved by Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone.
as we remember the first song that we sang, In Christ alone my hope is found, He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I stand. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we stand in your grace. It is your finished work that you did for us. You took us out from the darkness and transferred us into the light. You gave us a new life in Jesus Christ. So now we have a former life, an old life that we left behind and we are living for you, O oh Lord, not through our strength, not through our works, but by letting you live in us. This new life we live in the faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died for us and gave himself for us, so that we should glorify your name through our deeds and everything should be to your glory. Amen.